Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is your host, Robbie Martin. Today we are interviewing Pierce Redman of Porkins Policy Radio. And we're going to delve into a bunch of different subjects. Some of them very recent, other subjects not so recent. In some way or another, they all tie together. We wanted to welcome to our show, Pierce Redman. So thank you, Pierce, for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me, Robbie. It's a pleasure to finally be on Media Roots. I know we've, we've uh, talked about having me on for quite some time, so it's, it's fun to finally be here. Well, you did come on once before. I don't know if you remember. It was it was about a year or two ago, I think. Was it? Oh God! Yeah. I you know I was trying to like re- I, you know what you're so right too. <laughs> I was like trying to think about that last night, and then I like I just like got preoccupied with something else. But yeah, it's it's great to have you on again. You're always one of my favorite shows to go on because you always have a different perspective on things than most people who do this kind of work. We should get. Uh, right into the subject of Afghanistan because Mm. you actually brought this to my attention yesterday. I didn't hear anything about this and there's actually not very much news about this. There should be a lot more. Is that Eric Prince of Blackwater, which changed its name to Z, which later changed its name to Academy, he is proposing a plan, trying to propose it to Trump apparently, to use privatized Blackwater security forces in Afghanistan as a means of sending all the troops home. Am I getting that? Did I get all that correct? So it's, uh, I think technically the proposal um, was uh, formulated by Jared Kushner and Steve Bannon, or at least they're the ones that officially brought this to the Pentagon. Uh, And I think it was Bannon specifically had a meeting with, Defense Secretary Mattis about this idea. But yeah, it would, um, the two principal people leading this charge to privatize the war in Afghanistan would be Eric Prince of Blackwater and another character who's really fascinating called Stephen Feinberg, who is the the head of a very uh, powerful private equity firm, Cerberus Capital, which Uh uh, recently just bought up DynCorp. Um, and they own uh, several other related uh, companies in the you know military and uh, contracting or mercenary firms and in private intelligence. But the big one, DynCorp, of course, um, which is the largest uh, mercenary firm in the world, is uh, owned by Steven Feinberg. And Steven Feinberg was also uh, one of the early proponents to sort of get on the bandwagon of Trump. He's very close with Peter Thiel. So he was part of this um, very elite clique of uh, rich private equity VC type people that uh, surrounded themselves around Trump. And uh, yeah, this is, uh, uh, this is, I think Eric Prince has sort of been floating this idea quite a bit lately. Prince and Feinberg both of their general outlines would consist of, um, and this is, I think, interesting to point out, they they both, uh, while taking out the Pentagon, they both believe that the CIA should be involved and that the CIA should sort of oversee what's going on and work in tandem with either Blackwater or DynCorp or some formation of the two 
along with special forces who would still be there, and they would be carrying out um, operations all over Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, this is... Uh, there was a New York Times article that sort of broke the story or report or the first to report on the story. Uh, and even the Times said this has been described as the Laos option, you know, meaning the CIA's secret war in Laos in the 1960s and 70s. Um, and uh, I'll read you a, a brief quote um, from a, uh, a radio interview that Eric Prince did with Breitbart. Um, this was a, I, maybe a few weeks or so ago. I'll, I'll send you the links if you want to posted it for the show. But he said, quote, I say go back to the model that worked for a couple hundred years in the region by the East India Company, which used professional Western soldiers who were contracted and lived with, trained with, and when necessary, fought with their local counterparts. This is absolutely fucking, I got to stop you right there, Pierce. I'm <laughs> sorry. This is absolutely fucking nuts. I did not realize when you told me about yeah. this yesterday, I just thought it was, oh, Eric Prince sort of floated this suggestion, you know, on a press appearance or something. No, no. What you're describing to me is absolutely insane. This is Steve Bannon's inner... I mean, he's actually... I think he said <laughs> on record that he thought British imperialism was quite good mm. for the world, which kind of puts him in line with Robert Kagan. Not, not very many intellectual types say that kind of thing openly and here you have eric prince literally nakedly admitting yeah that he wanted to revert back to that system because he thinks it was good i mean i mean even in in a more in a more direct sense he wants basically privatized mercenary forces in in afghanistan to stabilize the region he, he also he recently wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal where he sort of outlined this idea um, and, and fleshed it out a bit more. And he even he suggested that the White House appoint a viceroy to oversee the country and the private military units oper running operations. So, I mean, that that's I mean, then we that that, that sort of has the shades of like. Um, what was you know Paul Bremer's title when he was in Iraq? You know, provisional governor or something like that. But you know, I mean, a prince asking for a viceroy to oversee the country. I mean, does that mean that President Ghani or whoever will be president, you know, uh, whenever this comes to fruition, they're not in control of the country? Uh, that instead we'll have probably some. American viceroy? I mean, presumably Prince is talking about himself here. Um, and if you think that Eric Prince's uh, vision is frightening, uh, Stephen Feinberg's is perhaps a little bit more frightening and, and horrifying because he, he sketched out a much more broad-based plan where he... Um, you know, he so th this has been floated by people like Sebastian Gorka as, oh, well, this will be cheaper. This is a cheaper way to run the military and to run military operations and to fight the war on terror. Of course, leaving out, but who's paying for this? I mean, this is still, there's still going to be government contracts um, that are, you know, I mean, taxpayers are still going to be paying DynCorp to go to Afghanistan. Of course. So Gorka is, you know, talking out of his ass as usual. But... So Feinberg is one of these interesting characters in that he is a he's a private equity man at his heart. So he will put up a lot of the capital to keep DynCorp sort of afloat 
uh, in times of need and puts up capital so that they can hire better people and train and stuff like that. But because of his various connections to um, uh, the, the private military, private intelligence, uh, and the private equity world in general, he's able to get a lot of these you know, sort of wonderful deals and things like that. But uh, you know, a big thing that DynCorp does too are these sort of quote civilian operations, like building roads and bridges, um, flying in food. So Feinberg is more horrifying in that it's not just about uh, sending mercenaries to fight, because uh, he, he wants to do that, obviously. But he also wants DynCorp to be down there working directly with the central government of Afghanistan on everything from shipping in food and medical supplies to working with USAID um, to building uh, infrastructure projects throughout Afghanistan. And of course, he'll be, you know, uh, providing the guns to Af the Afghan army and to these uh, military uh, mercenaries because he owns uh, Remington, which makes uh, sniper rifle, army sniper rifles. So Feinberg's is even more horrifying because it really is like an overarching, all-encompassing thing where DynCorp would essentially uh, run Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, this sort of reminds me, too, that there is a um, – the, the recent political uh, uh, nations in Afghanistan are always very crazy and sort of convoluted. But in the recent election uh, where President Ghani was running – uh, he was running uh, against uh, Mohammed uh, Atta, I think. Is uh, I, I want to say I'll look it up uh, when I get a second. But uh, they basically were deadlocked for a while, and there was a lot of sort of pushback about who would become president. And instead of uh, you know just sort of ending it with President Ghani becoming president, his rival became the quote chief executive officer, which is a made up term that they just sort of invented. Uh, and wrote into the Constitution. So he's the CEO of Afghanistan. So they've already kind of um, set the stage for the sort of carving up of this country. And Prince is also very uh, interesting in this Breitbart interview that he, he did, the radio interview, because he does uh, bitch and moan about how slow the Afghans are in getting a mining bill and how the Americans haven't been pushing them to get a mining bill because there's this giant wealth of gold, copper, lithium, all sorts of rare earth metals, uh, you know, under the ground in Afghanistan that presumably Eric Prince would love to get his hands on or would at least love to be, you know, guarding the facilities where the mining is uh, going on. But yeah, this is, um, it, it was, it was sort of shot down by uh, General Mattis, uh, who for all, you know, all uh, media accounts uh, sort of state him as sort of being politely nodding his head, but saying, no, I, I don't think we're going to be doing this. Uh, although, um, I, I don't think that we should dismiss this as, oh, well, it's never going to happen. Um, the mere fact that Eric Prince has made such a comeback, that he is perceived as some sort of a um, shadow advisor to Donald Trump, uh, that he's even floating an idea of becoming, you know, the viceroy of Afghanistan, a la the, you know, East India Company, and that Stephen Feinberg um, is talking about basically using DynCorp to run the country. Um, this is, uh, if it doesn't happen right now, it will happen in the future, I think, because um, they sort of put a lot of the, the pieces in motion for this to actually come to fruition. 
Well, this is, I mean, from my perspective, this is, seems like this is the dream of the military-industrial complex, is to actually, actually push the U.S. military itself aside mm. and be able to permanently occupy a country with privatized military forces. I mean, what's, I mean, honestly, what is more, what's better for them? You know, to have a bunch of grunts using their, their weaponry and, and their equipment or to actually be having their own soldiers being paid for. I mean, it, it just, it, it blows my mind that this is actually, um, you know, it's, it's not getting more attention in the media right now. It should be. Um, but it's also really disturbing that Eric Prince somehow, as he said, he somehow floated his way into, you know, some aspect of the Trump administration, his sister runs the Department of Education. Um, so we already knew going into the Trump administration that he had some kind of bizarre connection to Eric Prince. But this also flies in the face of Trump not being a neocon and that somehow Trump is a realist. And that, mm. um, you know, it, it is very, very odd to me how Eric Prince and Blackwater were completely entangled and enmeshed with the Bush era of neoconservatism and the post 9-11 war, wars or the war on terror. Um, his name was always linked to uh, war crimes in Iraq, Afghanistan, and even actually crimes here domestically. He was implicated in ordering a hit or a murder on two of his own employees. And the reason being, um, according to official court documents, is that they wanted to report on murders in the war zones that Eric Prince was helping cover up, murder of civilians. So two of his own employees were trying to rat him out as being someone who was covering up murders and war crimes in these foreign lands. And then he was so upset by this betrayal that he actually ordered a hit on them. And they hmm. actually had to file um, sworn testimony. I don't actually know exactly which court district they did this in, but it's all you can read all the 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 um, transcript online. It's very very disturbing, and it's very believable based on what we already know about Eric Prince being this quasi Christian crusader um, who actually believes that he had a mission from God to do some of these things that he was doing, which. It's kind of reminiscent of George W. Bush's own, um, you know, talk about why he decided to invade Iraq. Uh, and there's also some other bizarre deep state connections that Blackwater and Eric Prince have as well. Mosawi, Zacharias Mosawi, the so-called 20th hijacker of 9-11, was actually in touch with Blackwater before 9-11, trying to train there. I actually trace Pizzagate <laughs> the, back to, in part, Eric Prince going on that same Breitbart radio show that you're mentioning, uh, that he went on bef right before the election, saying that the NYPD was about to make arrests in the Anthony Weiner case, arrests in the Hillary campaign having to do with what they found on Anthony Weiner's computer, mm. and that it was like sexual related. Um, this, and I believe, was the initial seed that was planted to, to create this snowball that later became Pizzagate. So I find that very interesting that he's also implicated in some of these back dealings, attempts to, you know, allegedly get incriminating information from Moscow or, or Russia on Hillary Clinton. Um, he's apparently was in communication with, 
I'm reading here on a Salon article by um, Matthew Pulver that he was also involved with that, that he, that he had communications with Jared Kushner and others leading into the election trying to set those things up. And he was also an advisor to Michael Flynn, which it just blows my mind that people still think Michael Flynn was going to be some kind of a neocon antidote in the administration. <laughs> Um, he was he, he, apparently he was going to be Flynn's advisor if Flynn stayed in. So thank God he's not in there anymore. Although McMaster is not good, but even still, it is it is really strange how all this stuff really does imply that Trump is not some kind of anti neocon president. And uh, and then people like, why don't you talk about Cassandra Fairbanks and and why she might have interviewed. Eric Prince, because she used to be from the Occupy movement and, and yeah. supposedly on the left, but now she is part of this sort of controlled opposition, you know, alternative media, pro-Trump media circuit. So what's what's that well, about? Uh, well, well, one thing I'll just uh, just to correct myself, it's uh, Abdullah Abdullah is the chief executive of the Islamic Republic of Afghanistan. I was confusing him with uh, Mohammed Atanur who is the governor of Balkh province, which is, uh, maybe we'll get to that later. But, um, uh, I mean, Cassandra Fairbanks is just another, as you said, is, is sort of one of these, like, uh, was a lefty, but, you know, I guess saw the error of her way, uh, and is, you know, uh, basically in league with the Mike Cernovich and, like, that whole crowd. There's that other idiot who wrote that, like, Citizens for Trump book, and, um, I believe there's even pictures of Cass- I think the the white power you know trolling hand sign that they uh, uh, that Cernovich was accused of using was uh, it was also with I think Cassandra Fairbanks is in that picture but uh, you know I this is what I find uh, fascinating um, about people like Fairbanks and Cernovich and some of these other um, internet personalities that have popped up in the past uh, year or so and they all kind of uh, essentially parrot the same things that are coming out of the Trump administration yeah. but they 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 sort of you know dress them up in a horse drawers so that they don't look um, like they're all that bad so um, you have Kushner who I think is a real sort of uh, brains behind this 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 move to privatize Afghanistan. I mean, along with Steve Bannon as well. Um, but you've got the two of them, um, and again, Kushner is supposed to be the evil one. You know, he's part of the deep state as well. Um, and you know, there's all of these uh, people. Oh, I oh I didn't vote for uh, Jared Kushner. You know, he's not my my uh, you know uh, cabinet appointee. Well, yeah, you did when you voted for Donald Trump. Okay, you took his idiot son-in-law uh, along with him, but. So they're they're pushing this idea, which on the face of it should be horrifying to people in the in the alternative community who have been so opposed to these endless wars. You really like if you put a private company in charge of run basically running the uh, a foreign country. Do you think they're ever going to be incentivized to solve the problems of Afghanistan? No, of course not. Um, you know, it, their their business is predicated on the idea that it continues. You know, mercenary firms are not, um, uh, you know, advocating for peace. Uh, they're not working to solve uh, the conflicts between neighboring countries or neighboring factions or anything like that. Their purpose is to make money off of this. So 
this is this is a great recipe for endless war when you you uh, put groups like Blackwater or Dyncor in control because they'll they'll have they have zero incentive. Now you know the Pentagon has very little incentive also, but even less so when it comes to a private company. Of course, uh, and there's less oversight. Far, oh well, and and that's 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 the other caveat here too is that's what they like. Both Feinberg and Prince uh, are are more or less in favor of this. That well, you know, if we put in Dyncor or Blackwater or any of these other mercenary firms, um, and they're working with the CIA, there's zero oversight. Okay, um, and and of course they will get all sorts of deals. They will strong arm, uh, or they don't even have to really strong arm President Ghani. You know, they'll just give him a, a you know suitcase of of cash, and basically he will sign off. You know, on uh, basically giving immunity to any of these organizations and you know the same this is the same practice I was in Iraq and is the same practice that m all these mercenary firms get um, you know you, you know there's a reason you don't hear um, much about what these mercenaries are doing all over Africa that's because they have total immunity um, they're never going to be tried for anything they do but so this is on the face of it horrifying right or it should be like we're we're opposed to this right because didn't we we voted for Trump for to stop the endless wars Yet, then you get a Cassandra Fairbanks, who first off, I mean, you want to talk about the deep state? Eric Prince is the deep state, okay? Exactly. A, a, a man who is, I mean, he, is he even legally allowed to return to the United States? No, he lives in maybe the United Arab Emirates, okay, where he founded this private army um, for hire, essentially. Uh, he operates with... CIA people, Pentagon, shadowy uh, 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 governments in, in other countries, uh, men of industry. I mean, that is the very definition of the deep state, okay? Um, so she's she's talking with him. And then, uh, you know, I haven't read the article. Um, I know it, uh, it it's posted up now, but the way she framed it in the tweet was like, oh, he has a fascinating plan to, like, solve the problem. No, no, no. There's no. He's not solving anything. Again, this is like, I mean, what what he's essentially saying too is like, oh, well, we're gonna we're gonna uh, take our troops home, you know, right, and send in hundreds of thousands of mercenaries in their place, um, you know. I mean, I don't understand how that's. It's, uh, and I, I assume they're kind of fine with this because the vast majority of these mercenaries are not American. Um, they're. They're from uh, places like uh, Liberia, Angola, Fiji, Central Asia, the Middle East. You know, the places that have been in constant war uh, for decades and decades who have experience. Yes, of course, Prince does hire um, special forces and guys like that. But the vast majority of these mercenaries are, are not, um, are not uh, American. You know, they're from countries that have uh, a vast pool of young men who have lots of military or, uh, you know, uh, unconventional military training. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just find it interesting that, you know, it, they're basically selling this to the alternative community. Like, Eric Prince is some sort of a good guy now all of a sudden. Um, we can just sort of, even though he had no problem working with the neocons in the Iraq war, and he's a member of the most horrifying, you know, the sort of neocons on steroids think tank, the Council for National Policy, as is his sister, um, which is, a, you know, very horrifying, uh, extremely. I mean, it, it's they're basically like almost like a religious fascist think tank uh, yeah. founded in part by uh, some young moon. 
the uh, cult leader of the Unification Church and a CIA asset. That's <laughs> fascinating. I remember you telling me about people. that. Um, yeah, and, and, and I, mean, the, I mean the roster of people on the CMP should really give everyone pause. And, uh, you know, Trump has allowed at least two of them into his inner circle. So, well, let, yeah, let me, I mean... Let me no, stop you there, because the this idea that the alternative media embraces Blackwater Eric Prince is so strange to me that I feel like a, we need to explore that a little more, because I, I actually recently watched an Alex Jones broadcast where he goes into why Blackwater is actually not that bad. And he tries to sort of act like the history of Blackwater and the reason they were so hated is because the left, you know, under Bush, really unfairly went after Blackwater, even though he was just doing his job, you know, for the Bush administration. So I thought that was very strange that Alex Jones was starting to apologize for Eric Prince. Um, but then I realized Eric Prince has actually been on InfoWars and yeah. Alex Jones hires or has working for him, and I have this on good authority, a Blackwater employee, ex-Blackwater mercenary soldiers working in his staff. Multiple. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. So <laughs> that just freaking blows my mind. Um, and as you said, this is one of the most obvious deep state players that we can actually point to. So what is this concoction that's going swirling around the, this lockstep controlled opposition um, alt-right media constantly saying that Trump is versus the deep state, that it's the deep state who's in opposition to Trump and that nobody from the deep state is allied with Trump, that it's just this, you know, Trump is the good guy yet again. So this basically makes Eric Prince versus the deep state also, I mean, in a, in a strange way. And in Cassandra Fairbanks's interview with Eric Prince, it's not very in-depth. She doesn't get very many quotes for him. But she's echoing, she, this is her own writings. I'm reading from Cassandra Fairbanks's article right now. She says, Instead of having U.S. military leading the seemingly endless fight, Prince and Feinberg, owner of DynCor International, seek to have experienced professional European soldiers take over. If this operation was taken over by professionals with insight from experience who are in it for the long run, this would no longer be the case. So, like, I, I skipped a part there. She's basically saying that uh, we wouldn't have to rotate out soldiers, and this is why this is good, because these people can be permanently stationed there. Um, and then also she has a very funny quote here from Prince, which to me hones in perfectly into what I was saying, that this is being used as a manipulative tactic to make it seem like, again, that the left is the only one with the problem with Blackwater. It's the left who had a problem with them. And she, this is an actual quote from Prince in her article, her interview. He says, so many, particularly the left, hate the idea of contractors. The fact is there are over 25,000 contractors in Afghanistan right now. Under this plan, most of them go away. This is the off-ramp for the U.S. and Afghanistan. That's a, just a strange thing to say. He's, he's saying that particularly the left hates contractors. What about anybody who's anti-imperialist? I mean, mm. libertarians don't like contractors occupying a foreign country on behalf of the U.S. empire any more than they like U.S. soldiers doing it. So I just find that a very strange statement that he would act like it's a partisan thing. It's almost like he's well, trying to reinforce this artificial you know, nature of what I was talking about to, in the first place. 
Oh, definitely. Well, and again, it all has to be the the specter of the left, this uh, boogeyman uh, that is a book. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Um, this is what's so funny, too, is I mean, it's almost as if the Trump administration is not even is like so neocon, but it's so naked in its um, uh, it, its approach to being so horrible around the world and, and at home uh, that they're, you know, they're just sort of open about it. And it, it does. And it, I think Prince is also kind of, again, sort of throwing in this identity politics bullshit where, uh, you know, if you don't support mercenaries, that means you're a leftist, which means you're evil, which means you're against us. Therefore, your you anti-business is kind yeah, of also the yeah, theme. All yeah. Of the, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, yeah, and I, 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 you know, I, this. Uh, there's also the, this, um, I, I guess, phony. I would think notion that uh, you know the the problems that soldiers face are somehow not problems for mercenaries. So mercenaries don't get PTSD. Mercenaries don't commit crimes. Mercenaries don't abuse drugs. Uh, you know, I mean. W- we have no friggin' clue because, it, I mean, it's not as if – I mean, the Pentagon barely documents soldiers with suicide or PTSD. Why would Blackwater do it? Why well, the, would DynCorp? Well, and DynCorp, if I just jump in because this one it gets me, you've got these fucking nut jobs like George Webb out there, okay, who has th- this overarching conspiracy about everything with Hillary Clinton and the uh, Awan brothers and that Oregon guy is a trafficking. total joke. He's a, I yeah, fucking and, hate that guy. Sorry. Well, and continue. no, and and what's the at the center of his whole thing? DynCorp. Everything is about DynCorp with him. It all goes back to DynCorp and Oregon thieves and Jeffrey Epstein had a DynCorp plane. So I mean, what the fuck does George Webb have to say when? The basically the head of DynCorp is in league with Donald Trump, who he he still maintains is going to save us from the pedos and things like. So this is what's so fascinating is how blatant and obvious they are in everything that they do. But they're able to convince or to dress these things up enough. And I think this is really like the true believers that they're reaching out to, because there's no way. That uh, you know, um, you know, average people that voted for Donald Trump are going to say, "Yeah, you know what? Let's let DynCorp, an organization that there's no doubt about it, they were involved in drug trafficking and sex trafficking all over the Balkans. I mean, that's like there's yeah. no, um, you can't deny that they totally were, and I'm sure they totally are right now. Uh, but I just find it funny, you know, you get these people like Webb who will go make these endless videos about DynCorp." But I, I, I don't think he's probably said two words about Steven Feinberg uh, and his proposal. Yeah, or about the relationship, you know, that Eric Prince has with Trump and how this is completely connected to the Trump administration. So, yeah, it's, um, it is quite frustrating to see how just corralled people get into these narratives without being able to see the bigger picture. Like, I get it that the mainstream media does seem to be piling on to an overwhelming degree against Trump in a way that they never did against Bush or Obama. I get that, but I feel like it's very important to resist the urge to then just believe everything that Trump is saying and all his supporters are saying. I mean, mm. that's and, and, and I'm sure that you've seen this as well, Pierce, and that seems to be 
it's polarizing to the point where there's very little in between that right now, where it's either you believe in Russiagate or believe, you know, everything the mainstream media says about Trump, or you believe everything Trump's, you know, alt, alt-right media figures say about the mainstream media. There's no, there's not really much room in between. I find that very unfortunate um, because it's hard. It, it's, you know, I'm not saying we need any of those people to fight this, but it would be good if people like Cernovich and all those figureheads like Cassandra Fairbanks and all of them actually took pause and, and, and instead of wanting to keep raising their own profile and getting more followers on Twitter, they actually were like, no, you know, this is actually a really bad idea. We don't support this. Um, but that's not going to happen. And now they're all celebrating, acting like Trump is somehow going to end the war on Syria because he's he's announced, I guess the CIA is closing down their um, program to support the rebel groups in Syria. But yet the Pentagon still has a program to support rebel groups in Syria. And so I, I just find that very fascinating oh, and- that nobody mentions that and they're just all celebrating the fact they think the Syrian war is over. It's not. Oh, and, and well, A... Do they honestly, these are the same people that will, you know, the CIA is so evil that uh, Mike Pompeo should be, uh, should resign because he spoke ill of WikiLeaks. Um, But they, I mean, these are the same people that believe in the, in the deep state, right? The power of the deep state. Yet Donald Trump can just say something, Um, you know, I mean, has he signed any legislation is there anything that, you know, I mean, how do, you, how do you stop the CIA from doing something? Do they honestly believe that, A, the CIA is listening or cares or is really going to do this? And that a president who has really no power over the CIA, I'm sorry, you know, to anybody out there, you know, Trump supporters who believe he does, he doesn't, okay? And, uh, you know, that they're really going to do this? Or even if they, I mean, all that, all that, uh, that statement really was too was they're going to stop supporting moderate rebels. So will they just actually just start supporting Al Qaeda? <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, or is this like, do they honestly believe that the CIA is an? Oh, you know what? Donald Trump doesn't want us there. So listen, every every single spy we have, every uh, you know cell and network, uh, just close it all down. We're packing up our bags. We're going home. <laughs> and and as you said, I mean, there's. We have no real idea how many uh, U.S. Uh, troops are there, but I mean, um, there there was just a uh, recent um, uh, article in uh, tur- tur- national Turkish newspaper um, or their, their national news service, uh, uh, Anadolu, uh, that uh, outed ten military bases in northern Syria, U.S. military bases in northern Syria. <laughs> so um, you know, are, are they gonna pack up? Uh, but uh, no, of course, but it, 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 it fits into, and this is something um, that, uh, you know, we talked about recently on, on my show, Robbie, but it, this is one of these things that it fits into like both narratives, right? So it fits into the idea that, oh, see, Trump really is opposed to war and against the deep state and the, and, and the CIA and deep politics and all those things. And then at the same time, it also fits the narrative of, Oh, you see, he's he is in league with Putin because this is what Putin has always wanted. So, uh, you know, this is just orders from the Kremlin. So it, it serves both uh, people or both groups of people equally well. And um, but essentially, I mean, I don't nothing is really going to change there. 
Um, or if it does, it'll only be a, a momentary stopgap. I mean, I, I don't really honestly for one second believe that organizations like the CIA, which have been trying to overthrow uh, the Assad family for decades, are, are suddenly going to stop because the Washington Post reported that Donald Trump said, no, don't do it. But yeah, I, and, and furthermore, furthermore, uh, the, again, uh, this, you know, talking about the, you know, Eric Prince and, and Feinberg and things like that. I mean, will we start seeing mercenary firms acting there? Uh, still, the, the, the door is, uh, is open for that in Syria. Um, and I, I, I think this is, uh, this is sort of the classic, um, Trump, uh, sort of uh, a protocol or the classic sort of behavior of Donald Trump, particularly when he's in um, a, a sort of a stressful position or something like that, is to make one of these broad statements that really kind of uh, clicks with his base. So what do we, we see? We see Donald Trump at the moment bogged down yet again by another one of these Russian scandals or scandals involving Russia, the Donald Trump Jr. one, which does seem to have, there's something to this. Um, I don't think that it has anything to do with like rigging the election or collusion. I think it's probably much more simple and is about just corruption and money laundering. And you, you look at the, uh, you know, some of the, the figures that are uh, in, on the growing list of people that attended that meeting, and they have very deep connections to uh, figures that have been accused of, of uh, money laundering and whatnot. So that's probably what that is about. But Donald Trump is bogged down in in this again. Okay, he can't get a health care bill passed. Um, he's complaining. You know, we we, we need to elect all new Republicans so we can get a, a health care health care bill passed, rather than just write a decent health care bill. Uh, so he's got all these things going on. So then what does he do? You know, he needs to sort of rile up his base. So uh, he pulls out this ludicrous idea that he's going to just change the war in Syria all of a sudden. He's going to uh, get the CIA out of there. And uh, and this plays so well to his base, but he doesn't really have to deliver on any of this. And where's the, the, the burden of proof here? Um, you know, I mean, are we... Uh, are we just really meant to believe that this is uh, this is just going to happen? I mean, are, are we gonna? How do we know the CIA is out of there again? So it, this is just a, another one of these sort of classic. Um, it's just like uh, uh, catnip for all of the morons that are are still so um, locked into supporting him, you know, and they need to have a little bit of catnip. So he throws them something. Like, uh, oh, don't worry, the CIA is out of Syria. Everything is fine. Um, while at the same time, you know, going back to where we originally started, uh, you know, I mean, is the CIA out of Afghanistan? <laughs> you know, is the CIA out of uh, Iraq, Somalia, Yemen, any of these other places? I mean, I don't know why we're really, uh, or why certain people, and I even saw this like on the, you know, the, the sort of like, some people on the left, some people, you know, in the libertarian circle, well, oh, you know, this is the one good thing Trump has done so far. And it's like, what are you, fucking retarded? I mean, <laughs> do you really honestly believe that? Yeah, I I get really, yeah, it's really, really frustrating, Pierce. I mean, the, to see the amount of people who get sucked into these things as, you know, I mean, and then, and then you, and then those same people, you know, who'll be very, who will give praise to Trump for supposedly removing the CIA from Syria will just not 
talk about when he drops a Moab as like a as like a symbolic like gesture right. of him like throwing his you know dick out of his pants, mm. show everybody how tough he is. Um, you know, they just won't talk about that. Or talk about how awful that is. I mean, I even saw a lot of anti-war libertarians just not mentioning that. You know, I mean, and it's ISIS again. So nobody, even really on the anti-war imperialism side, has seems to have a problem with us using ISIS as an endless excuse to do horrible shit in the Middle East. Um, yeah. And what's also interesting to me, Pierce, is that the CIA funding jihadis, you know, I use, putting that in quotes... Um, I don't like using that term myself because jihad does not is not synonymous with terrorism or even radical Islamic beliefs. It's a it's a term that's that's in Islam. It's been there for hundreds of years. Um, it usually, I mean, it traditionally means a religious struggle. I mean, that's what the term generally means. Jihadi and sort of this idea, Islamo fascist, radical Islam. I think yeah, that they yeah. tend to be code words. Um, used by the right, seeped into the new atheist movement, and and what's funny, you just mentioned the left's uh, you know softness on Syria or the wrong approach to it. I see people on the left, even the very far left, actual Marxist activists on Twitter praising the YPG in Syria, which is a yeah, rebel yeah. group because they are the Kurdish. Wor- they're based from the Kurdish Workers Party, a, a Marxist leaning. Um, Turkish, uh, like, like workers party. So to me, that's incredibly surreal because I, from my perspective, and I'm sure you probably feel the same is that it doesn't matter to me what degree of religious fundamentalism they have funding any mercenary group to destabilize a country is a bad idea. (laughs) We shouldn't be doing it. I don't, I really don't understand this. I know what you mean too. Um, yeah, you, you see them going on and on about the YPG, which is the CIA's favorite, uh, one of their favorite uh, groups to fund um, in northern Syria. I mean, that is, um, you know, I mentioned earlier that the uh, Andalou news agency, which is like the um, the state, it's like state news in Turkey, they recently released, uh, complete with a map uh, and detailed descriptions of 10 uh, Pentagon bases in conjunction with the YPG all over northern Syria. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, is the YP... And, and this isn't... Um, this is sort of like the Kurds are always used as a... Um, uh, they've, they've always been used as a, as a sort of like a puppet force, you know? I mean, and it, you, at some point you have to wonder what the Kurds... I mean, how many times are you going to be led down this road of, oh, well, help us now, you know? Us meaning the American military help us now, and then we'll we'll give you independence later. It doesn't happen, yet they still kind of fall into that uh, trap over and over again. But you know, Turkey's response to this, or the journalist's response to this for publishing, well, they shouldn't have sided with the terrorist organization. Um, and yeah, I don't know quite what these Marxists uh, are thinking. Um, you know, oh yeah, the YPG is so wonderful while they're working with the Pentagon. Which is, you know, one of the ultimate evils, you know. I mean, definitely opposed to uh, the, the struggle of the working class. Uh, yet, yeah, I know. I mean, they just sort of get a pass on. That. I mean, th- this is sort of like that very muddled reality of, of Syria uh, and, and Turkey as well. I mean, what's what's actually because then you 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 can rerun into an issue right now where 
Turkey seems more and more as if it's shifting away from the, the sort of traditional alliance with NATO. Um, and you see them doing things, I mean, not only the crackdowns and things like that, but, um, you know, threatening to buy uh, missile defense from the Russians and then the Chinese and then the European, you know, everybody but the U.S. and, or, and the, the sort of NATO bloc countries. Uh, and then you see them doing things like outing military bases. Um, and I mean, if you read the article, I mean, it's like specific directions on like how to get there almost um, and, and along with a map. So, I mean, now you, you have the threat of, uh, I mean, are we going to become embroiled in some sort of uh, a conflict with Turkey in northern Syria? I mean, how does that play out? How does Donald Trump even approach that? And, um, you know, and then what happens to the, the poor Twitter Marxists? I mean, are they going to support the YPG and the Pentagon in their fight against Erdogan, who is is uh, also has been kind of uh, positioning himself more and more as a uh, one of the alternative, uh, you know, power centers in the world. So, you know, he's not aligned with NATO, yet he's going after the YPG. So but th this is, you know, the sort of the complexity of geopolitics. It's sort of lost uh, again in the, this. Uh, in a world in like Twitter where you, you just, you know, tweet some inane meme about the YPG or about how wonderful Eric Prince and Blackwater is. Uh, but you don't really kind of look at the nitty gritty details and, and see how this is actually going to sort of play out on a larger scale. Yeah. Um, and as you were saying earlier, I mean, the lack of accountability, just going back to Blackwater and this idea of uh, Dyncorp mercenaries, it's already been made clear through a lot of the worst leaks about the Iraq war were from mer mercenaries and contractors. I mean, the video of the, of the um, I believe they were Scottish Blackwater contractors that were driving around Iraq's freeways, mm -hmm. just machine gunning random cars and laughing mm -hmm. as they would fly off the road. Like mm -hmm. almost like Grand, they were like playing Grand Theft Auto on the freeway on the highways yeah. of Iraq. Um, that video has been out for of over a decade. It's one of the most horrifying videos I've ever seen from Iraq. Um, and then additionally, there's a video of a bunch of Blackwater mercenaries super fucked up and catatonic on ketamine, while mm -hmm. there's some like um, like jackboot looking guy like poking them like laughing at them who's like their commanding officer or something you know they have their weapons near them i've talked to people who served in iraq who've, who've actually seen blackwater contractors just randomly firing their machine guns out of windows onto the streets below during like a drunken rage-fueled party in a like a mm. rooftop you know penthouse of some uh, iraqi building they've occupied I mean, that's, that was commonplace in Iraq. So the lack of accountability, that's obviously going to be one of the biggest problems because at least in the military, as, as fucked up as the military is, they still have a system in place that's supposed to punish people and court-martial people for doing those kinds of mm. things. Um, but this will, you know, this will be even worse than that. Oh, if anything, I, would, I think mer the mercenary groups are more unprofessional. Um, because I mean, as you said, I mean, there's zero accountability. Like, what I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen to them? They get fired from Blackwater, maybe. You know, I mean, it's not like uh, there there is like a formal, at least in the military. And I'm not saying that it's good, 
but at least there is, you know, court martial or you can, you know, I mean, you can, you can get, you know, reprimanded for not making your bed properly. Um, you know, I doubt mercenaries are under those sort of, uh, protocols or restrictions. Well, yeah. And then, uh, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just not, it's not true. Well, the Nisor Square massacre that happened in 2007 is the only time that that I can recall. Um, well, it was literally Blackwater employees getting um, charged with a crime, and I think that was probably only because that incident got so much bad publicity. Um, it right. was in the news forever. It's kind of like the Abu Ghraib torture scandal. They needed to, in that moment, throw people under the bus. But in every other instance of Blackwater doing blatantly illegal things horrible sadistic things to civilians in Iraq that were that you know nobody was ever held accountable for those things I'll uh, I'll make a, a, a just a sort of an interesting note on on the mercenaries in Blackwater Eric Prince Eric Prince has stated that uh, you know one of the moments in his life that really kind of affected him and made him want to I guess get you know get involved in the business that he is involved with now is the uh, genocide in Rwanda. Now, leaving aside what may you know have actually been going on there, um, the obviously h- hundreds of thousands of people were killed uh, in there. And Eric Prince is interesting that he points to that as uh, the thing that made him want to whatever get involved in this. When there are tons and tons of reports uh, from you know journalists who have since been silenced or uh, laughed at or whatnot of white mercenaries operating in Rwanda with, uh, you know, Paul Kagame's, the RPF, which is supposed to be the savior of Rwanda, but the white mercenaries working alongside with him and allegations that they were involved in, uh, you know, massacres and villages and things like that. And that they, you know, manipulated it to make it look um, like it was Hutus attacking Tutsis and things. So I find that really fascinating. And I think is, you know, anyone that's looking into Eric Prince, um, I bet I bet Rwanda did, uh, you know, uh, open his eyes or make him want to get involved with this because there's a lot of money to be made out of tragedy. And uh, I, I'm sure that's what Eric Prince saw when he was looking at Rwanda. I mean, again, these people are not in the business of wanting to, you know, be humanitarians. Um, you know, what was Eric Prince looking at Rwanda and say, oh, this is so sad and terrible? No, I mean, he's looking at this as dollar signs. How, how could I get involved in something like that? So, you know, that should just sort of speak to his character. And it's really distressing the amount of people out there that are just giving him a pass or praising him as some sort of genius or something. Yeah, it is. It's incredibly deceptive. I mean, even just his interview with what Eric Prince said about this, it's all with the underpinning that, oh, this is a way to get us out of this, these endless wars. He's playing yeah. on this anti-interventionist mentality that's become more popular over time, but it's not coming from a genuine place. Uh, obviously not. I mean, because for me, the only real genuine place an anti-interventionist um, mindset can come from is a place of morality. And mm. he says absolutely nothing in any of his statements at all that make it seem like he cares about the destruction of human life. I mean... Doesn't even seem to talk about you know why we don't want our soldiers dying there. I mean, it's it's it, there's none of that in his statements. No, no, his whole thing is I can do it cheaper 
uh, than than the Pentagon can. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, I mean, that's like basically his like his uh, you know that, and he claims it can be better. But really, what he's saying is, I'll do it for cheaper. You know, we can we can make this work. And again, that is possible too when you have people like Steven Feinberg who will put up some of the capital for this. You know, they don't have to entirely rely on government handouts. Now, obviously, that's what predicates this sort of stuff. But when you have um, somebody like the CEO of, of Cerberus Capital, um, you know, I mean, he's, he's got a lot of capital at his disposal that he can use um, to, to, you know, help prop up these sort of uh, operations and things like that, or at least provide capital for overhead and things. Um, so, I mean, they, they, I mean, yeah, they probably could do it for cheaper, but this is again, like this, this, um, you know, uh, quite like, does it matter if they can do it for cheaper? I mean, the, the real question is why are we even going to be there? You know, I mean, uh, and that's what I find interesting too, with all these people. I mean, these are the same people that were, uh, you know, that are supporting, uh, th- these plans for Afghanistan. I mean, why don't we just leave, you know? I mean, why are we even there? Now, I know that sounds kind of flippant and kind of harsh, and we would obviously be leaving Afghanistan, um, you know, holding the ball, but uh, I mean, we've been there over a decade. Do you honestly think we're going to defeat al-Qaeda and, and the Taliban? Um, I, I mean, the, j- more and more you've got these figures that were uh, either within the Taliban or on the periphery of that or, or uh, groups uh, you know, in conjunction with them that are, are sort of coming out of the shadows in Pakistan and they're being welcomed with open arms in Afghanistan. Um, you know, there's just um, Samuel Huck, who's one of the, the sort of godfathers or, or spiritual figures of the Taliban, has recently just said, yes, I think it's great. We should, um, you know, there should be more cooperation between the Taliban and the central government in Afghanistan in coming to some sort of a peace deal. Um, and that's what's also hilarious with all of this is that there are real peace talks going on uh, between uh, with involving the Taliban, China, Russia and the, the government of Afghanistan. Now, the U.S. hates these peace talks and has, uh, over time, done everything they can to stall the peace talks, um, you know, along with uh, elements within the um, Afghan intelligence. So, you know, they outed the fact that Mullah Omar had been dead for many years, um, just in the middle of uh, uh, when the peace talks were starting to get uh, some headway. Then we have, um, you know, uh, so, oh, Mullah Omar's dead. Uh, then Mullah Mansur becomes the spiritual head or the the supremo, as they call it, of the Taliban. Uh, then when peace talks start to go forward with that, uh, the U.S. Uh, drones him to death. Um, so, you know, it, again, why is that not being advocated? Um, and that's what's interesting, too. With I mean, you know, we could even look at that in the context of Syria. Uh, we're getting the CIA out, but the Pentagon is going to stay. Not, we're getting the CIA out and we're going to sit down at the table, you know? Why doesn't Trump do that? Um, you know, I mean, what, what, what's stopping him? Isn't he supposed to be the, you know, big, the big cheese? He's, he's supposed to have all this juice, right? I mean, why doesn't he just go and sit down with Assad? Um, you know, so that's, that's what's fascinating behind all these things, too, is it's still the continuation of war. It's just a war that's even more palatable to the American public because most of these people, they don't, know who Mullah Mansour is. They don't know that peace talks are going on in Afghanistan. They don't even know that we're still fighting in Afghanistan. 
you know, that, uh, you know, I mean, suicide bombings have become the norm again in Kabul. Uh, that northern Afghanistan is in complete crisis. The, the vice president of Afghanistan right now is accused of ordering the vicious, uh, like, multiple-day rape of another man. I mean, they raped this uh, man who was an opposition candidate in um, uh, Dostum, who's the vice president. Uh, he ordered the rape of an opposition politician from his province. Over the course of like several days, they held this man and raped him with a gun, okay, a rifle. Dostum is now hiding out in, uh, supposedly is in still in Ankara in Turkey because he's afraid, you know, he doesn't want to return back. Um, but he's building up uh, his own political base. He's aligned himself with um, Mohammed Atanur, who I mentioned earlier, who's a, 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 the governor of Balkh province. So now you've got two rival factions, including the vice president. I mean, why, why should we even be there? You know, I mean, what, what do we have to gain from any of this? Um, and of course, the elephant in the room is heroin and the opium trade. That's the only real reason that we're still there and the only real reason that we're going to continue staying there. But why not let peace talks go forward? Um, you know, why are we, instead of that, again, from the people that were advocating that that's what Trump was really about, no, 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 let's, let's hand over the ball to Eric Prince and Steven Feinberg. Um, who, and again, Feinberg is, is, is a quintessential sort of, uh, you know, New York, Wall Street, Goldman Sachs type character, um, who we know very little about because he's very secretive as well. But, you know, that is never really put on the table. Um, instead, it, as you say, Robbie, it's just sort of more endless war. But this is even better because now it's not even American troops. It's, it's foreign troops. And they're not even really troops. They're mercenaries. So we can complete. And, you know, I mean, look at look at the way the press covers things in Afghanistan vis-a-vis uh, -vis the Pentagon. You have to be assigned to a unit. You, you, you travel just with the unit. You basically write what the unit wants you to write. Um, you know, you're, you're controlled from point A to point B. Uh, so do you, th I mean, do you think Eric Prince is going to let, you know, uh, some journalists go on ride-alongs? I doubt it. Maybe a few, you know, correspondents from like, you know, Newsmax or uh, Breitbart will be allowed to, uh, you know, follow and, and get a very sanitized view of whatever they're doing there. But there'll be zero media presence as well. Uh, but I'll, I'll stop talking because I know I just sort of went on and on there for a while. Oh, no, it's fine. I know I know you need to run um, probably right now. Um, and we didn't get a chance to talk about the Manchester um, alleged ISIS attack. I'd like to talk to you about that some more next time we, we get a chance to talk. Um, but I, I just wanted to mention really quickly to to close us out here that there's just so if you start looking into Blackwater's activity, I mean, there are so many things that I think just got lost in the shuffle over time. I mean, the main things, the Nassau Square massacre, those things got a lot of media attention, but other things just didn't at all. Like this story I just found searching while, while we were doing this interview <laughs> that um, the CIA was using Blackwater mercenaries on private hit squads in European countries. Um, mm. The CIA used a Blackwater assassin team to track down an Al-Qaeda financier in Hamburg and try to kill him. Um, I'm not sure if it actually went through with it, but this was actually deployed um, back in 2004. So 
who the in the fuck knows what Blackwater's <laughs> actually been up to. Yeah. And we know how much privatization happens with the CIA and even the NSA now that this is how things will become more unaccountable and less transparent over time, unless we speak up against it. And I mean, even though that's not going to make very much of a dent, at least there'll be some awareness about the lack of accountability privatizing all this military shit will will amount to. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything no, else definitely. you want to say to, to close this well, out? Well, just sort of on that note, I mean, the privatization of the intelligence services is almost, you know, uh, nearly complete. Uh, like the majority of uh, uh, intelligence work is now done by private contractors. Um, I mean, and, and they're the, like, I think it's something like 80% of private intelligence is owned by like five companies or something like that, or eight companies essentially, you know, and you're talking about like Peter Thiel's Palantir, um, DynCorp, Stephen Feinberg's DynCorp, uh, you know, the groups like Blackwater and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I think this is, um, more and more just the, the norm, as you were saying, and this is just the, the, an excellent way to not even have to worry about the semblance of something like congressional oversight. But yeah, I mean, the, the intelligence world is becoming more and more privatized and more and more distant as well. Uh, and it, and the CIA, do, you know, becomes um, this, this organization that we know even less about. Because it's not really even about what the CIA is doing. It's about what some Blackwater mercenaries who were hired by the CIA exactly. were, were doing it somewhere else. Very or good it, point, yeah. You know, it, it's not what the NSA is doing. It's what Palantir is doing on an NSA contract, okay? And Palantir has no go- government oversight. Uh, you know, there's no GAO report on Palantir. You know, they're just – they're a contractor. And they have all these sort of wonderful guarantees. So – um, and you even see this, uh, you know, I know you just spoke to Tom recently about his new book. You see that as well in the way that the CIA deals with Hollywood. It's no longer now a CIA agent on set. It's an ex-agent that works for a lobbying firm, uh, you know, somewhere else, and they provide assistance. You know, it's no longer a CIA agent um going and saying, well, you can do this or you can't do that. It's, um, you know, a former government official who has no ties at all. Uh, and they don't really have to have, you know, they don't, they don't have to tell Congress or, or tell anybody anything. You know, they're just a private citizen. Uh, so, you know, and that it's a wonderful way to influence film and thing, things like that without having any paper trail. Not that they had a big one to begin with. So, yeah, I just say that this, this, this horrifying reality where everything is essentially off limits is really terrifying uh and i'll i'll stop talking now <laughs> yeah do you have to run right now pierce literally uh, i i got like uh maybe like five minutes okay i just wanted to share this this anecdote with you because i don't know if i had told you this before and um yeah i should i mean i in the past i might have edited something like this out because my sister was still working for russia today but mm. interestingly while Abby was still there doing Breaking the Set, she remembers thinking it was very odd that Russia Today was very eager to interview Eric Prince. And this is around, I think it was like three years ago. And she only found out after the fact. And she she felt that because she had done so many aggressive segments against Blackwater and Eric Prince, actually calling him a murderer, 
multiple times on her show that the management at RT was actually setting these interviews up in secret, trying to keep her out of the loop on purpose. And they had actually, and other people from the staff at RT as well, they brought in Eric Prince to interview during off staff hours. Because at the time, uh, remember, there was a lot of leftists working for RT who absolutely hated Eric Prince and Blackwater and who knew all yeah. the horrible shit he did. And I actually kind of blame Russia, Russian media a little bit for putting, for trying to p- prop up Eric Prince as some kind of non neocon good guy kind of a figure. I mean, they really, if you watch the interviews that RT did of Eric Prince during this time I'm, I'm referring to, total softball interviews, disgusting, really. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, well, who knows how many Blackwater operatives are working in Russia for the Russian government? Or, you well, know, that too. Chechnya. I mean, that's the thing. If, if, let's say, Trump and Russia really do come to some sort of, you know, uh, agreement in Syria... Who's to say we won't get uh, Blackwater forces in Syria? And then somehow that'll be oh, yeah. sold to the alt-right as a good thing. Oh, no, I, I, was, I was saying that when you were signing the package, I was saying that, you know, what if that's a, a possibility? Oh, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, it, Sorry. It doesn't, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, I mean, that that's totally uh, on the table. Yeah, in, ca- in case anyone's confused, I, I literally had to sign for a package in the middle of the interview, and Pierce was saying things that I was upstairs while while he was talking. <laughs> so sorry about that, but uh, but no, I'm, I'm glad um, I'm glad we've had this discussion. I think uh, it's been a while since Blackwater has been talked about this extensively on Media Roots, and I'm really glad we've had the chance to do it today because everybody needs to know how horrible. Um, Blackwater is, and Dyncor is as well. I mean, Dyncor is a much bigger corporation. It's ranked in the top, I believe it's in the top five or perhaps the top ten defense contractors, military companies in the world. Um, So this is the military-industrial complex getting an extreme foothold in the Trump administration. He's going to rebuild the military and inject billions of dollars um, into this into this effort, I mean, this is PNAC's wet dream, I think. Mm. Um, once you inject that much cash and uh, you give the military-industrial complex a leg up like that, war will follow. It, that's how these things work. Um, so, I mean, it's a, t- it's a tale as old as time. I mean, we, this, is, this, is, it's, this is how these things work, is the military-industrial complex will create an urgency for war just by its very... A relationship with the U.S. government, the amount of money being circulated through it into mm. it. Well, especially if you put them in charge, literally oh, in yeah, charge exactly. of running wars. I mean, then then the wars will never stop. I mean, there's no there's no way they could stop. Well, he's a businessman, um, Pierce. It's a smart yeah. smart business move, right? Yeah, I mean, right. This is- no, yeah, it is. It is. It's a very smart business move. I mean, you know, give them that. Um, it, it's very savvy. Uh, but, uh, you know, not for the rest of the world, uh, which is basically just going to be oppressed by these people. Well, I think uh, that about wraps it up. Um, but we should we should continue this conversation again soon. And uh, we're going to be doing more Media Roots Radio episodes. So hopefully we can have you on again, but perhaps ne- next month. Um, yeah, I'd August. love to. But uh, do you have anything else you wanted to say about, um, like, any plugs? Uh, mention where people can listen to your radio show. 
Yeah, so um, you can you can find all of my stuff at my website, which is PorkinsPolicyReview.com, and you can um, you can also listen live on Tuesdays from three to five p.m. Uh, Eastern uh, on American Freedom Radio, and that's the um, the main station uh, that I, I broadcasts my stuff. I'm replayed on a bunch of stations later on, but AFR is uh, is my home base, and they. Uh, you know, just do a tremendous amount of work. So um, definitely, if you want to listen live, then just tune into AmericanFreedomRadio.com, three to five on Tuesdays. And uh, yeah, I, I've got some things coming up. I've got a new, um, I know I, I sort of uh, rambled on a little bit about Turkey uh, in, in this conversation, but I'll, I'll be doing a subscriber podcast uh, all about the uh, one year anniversary of the coup in Turkey. So if you want to listen to that, you can become a subscriber to my work at patreon.com slash Pierce Redmond. And uh, I've got some stuff with Tom Secker on the horizon um, and uh, that we're, we're working on on a few other little projects. Uh, so uh, I'll, I'll let you know, Robbie. Uh, maybe we can talk about it on Media Roots when it, when it happens. But thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, thank you for joining me, Pierce. And have a great rest of your day. 